0: Hello and welcome to this week's Invisible Not Broken. So today I got to interview the owner of Limitless Medical Logs, Jordan Ray, who, by the way, 21 years old, super amazing and interesting. Um, we went through a lot of stuff in this interview, so please take a listen all the way through. We talked about her business, of course, but also how when she was 16, she had to stop um, softball, or I think it might have been 17 or 18. Please forgive me today. Um, that was the other point I wanted to get to in the intro. I have multiple mass dislocations going on today and during the interview. Jordan was a saint in carrying me through this interview. Please forgive. There are some pockets of silence. There is me forgetting what questions are. Um, Still a really good interview and completely worth listening to. Jordan is awesome and amazing. She just was incredibly kind at... Helping me through when I was not at my absolute best. So please be patient with me and thank you so much, Jordan, for being a rock star. Uh, Head over to our show notes. There is so much information here between like things that help when you are chronically ill and how to keep yourself on top of going to school and running a business. Um, Take a listen all the way through. Head over to our show notes and take a look at Jordan's business, Limitless Medical Logs. And I'm going to stop talking and let you head on over to this wonderful interview and thank you everyone for being so kind and patient with me today especially well thank you for being willing to learn skype for me jordan I'm so um, skype is such a weird thing but i'm so glad we're able to to do this from like across the country
1: i know that's cool
0: it's really weird isn't it um, yeah. so you're dealing with uh chiari malformation is that right
1: yeah chiari malformation
0: i <sighs> see i always say it wrong
1: <laughs> Believe me, people that I know all the time they, they say it wrong. I mean, it's really hard to say, and people just cannot get it right. I couldn't get it right the first couple months.
0: Oh, it's like that CH. I'm always feeling like it should have that shh sound, and it doesn't. Right. But as confusing as this to say, it's pretty intense to live with. So, what are, and people are like varying symptoms of it. What are the things you're dealing
1: with? Uh, My biggest symptom right now is the migraines are probably a 10 out of 10. Um, I get about five to six a week. Um, So that is the biggest thing that I'm dealing with right now. Also intense back and neck pain. Also my shoulder blade. It's just my right one. It's not my left. It's only my right. Uh, is really bad. So those are the most intense. And also um, I deal with memory loss, short-term memory loss.
0: So that's a lot to unpack. I'm going to start with, um, because I know what this is, because it also can be an offshoot of LR stainless, but can you explain what this is actually happening in your body? Because I think a lot of people who don't know what this is, they're going to be like, oh my God, that can't happen. That that shouldn't happen in a human body. So why don't you explain?
1: Right. So what Chiari is, is the cerebellum is lowered into the spinal canal. So my CSF flow gets blocked to my brain. So that's how we found it. I blacked out on the softball field due to my CSF flow being blocked to my brain. So, so that's your
0: spinal fluid, right? Yeah, spinal
1: fluid. Sorry. Yes.
0: No worries. Um, I mean, we all end up speaking in acronyms because we're so used to like, going through it like a million times with doctors.
1: But... Exactly. We're just so used to it.
0: So you were, oh, we're, we're going to have to go back to like softball too. But um, what, what you're telling me is that your brain was basically like falling down onto your spinal column.
1: Yes. It's, I don't know how far it goes, but it's lowered into your neck. And, um, I was, if I'll I'll go into softball really quick, how I discovered it, I was running for a bunt that I have fielded many times and I just blacked out. I hyperextended my neck and I completely blacked out.
0: I I was like, so terrified for you. And I'm also a parent of a teenager. So I'm just thinking Mm -hmm. like how terrifying this must have been for your family as well. Like when your healthy 16 year old suddenly is on the ground.
1: Um, honestly, I think they just thought I fell because (laughs) with me being the athlete that I was, I would get hurt a lot. So I've broken so many bones. I've had ankle surgery before. So, and I think my teammates also think that I just completely fell. So I kind of saw them when I got back up. They were standing up on the bleachers just looking over to kind of make sure I was okay. Um, But then it turned into uh, something different where I wasn't okay after a couple innings. And then they got really scared.
0: So how were you presenting then at that time? Like you blacked out and then you got up and then were you just woozy or...
1: When I got Not up. Not just, I'm
0: sorry, it's a horrible word I keep putting in there. Just is an awful word. Feeling like any of this yeah. sounds horrible.
1: Um, I was, when I got up, I was on the ground for about three to five seconds. Um, so when I got up, I had a horrible migraine. Actually, the worst I've ever had. Horrible migraine, instant neck pain. I didn't have back pain, but the weird part was. I could not remember all of my teammates. I kind of had no clue who they were. And that was the scariest part. And I think I, I walked right back to my position. I played third base. Uh, I played it throughout my whole high school career. I walked back to my position. This was the first inning, the first play of the game. And I continued to play for four more innings because when, you know, you ask me if I'm fine, I'm going to tell you I'm fine, even if I'm really hurting. <laughs>
0: That, I'm sorry I'm smiling, but I I was a ballerina, which is a very, a same thing. It's like an athlete will never, Mm -hmm. like, it's it's a very weird headspace you get into when you're an athlete. Of you're not going to leave the performance. You're not going to leave the field. It's, Yeah. yeah. Well, it
1: was a district game too. So you win districts, you go to states. And my freshman year, we were one game away from states. You play like three to four games in districts, then regionals. And then so we lost in regionals. My sophomore year, we were two games away. So, you know, there was I felt a lot of pressure on me to perform. And if I said to the trainer who kept asking me every inning, are you okay?" And kept examining me. If I told her I'm fine or I'm not fine, that she's going to pull me out. And then someone else is going to have to go in and fill my spot.
0: I think it's really um, a bad choice on the on adults' side or trainer's side of asking a, an athlete whether they are ready or able to perform. Of course, they're going to say yes. They will yeah. lie through their teeth to get back up on stage or field or whatever their their arena is for whether performing or playing. It's just, of course, we're going to say yes. I mean, I yeah. danced on stress fractures for two years on like stress fractures in my legs from hip to foot. I mean, you just don't I, I, I that's all folks wow so sorry um
1: yeah
0: i had a massive uh knee and hip dislocation last night so i am um, oh, on wow. every pill i have so please forgive yeah. me as my uh my speech is muddled and slow but this is just how i'm going to be today
1: um i totally understand
0: it's uh oh god the side effects are just cruel <laughs> like i used mm-hmm. to be smart i don't mm-hmm. know what happened actually i know exactly yeah. what happened um so, for you, I mean, like when you're talking about being on a team, it's that's a lot of your social life. That's a lot of your identity. That's a huge thing for someone who's a teenager. Were you, were you taken off the team, or were you able to still keep playing even after your diagnosis?
1: I had to stop. Um, we lost that game, so I think we lost like four to three <laughs> when they they pulled me out, like I said, the fourth inning. And that was actually my last game to ever compete in. And honestly, I don't even think I competed because it happened in the first play, of the first ga- you know, the first inning. So I, but I can't remember the game before that. So I, I always say that was my last time putting my uniform on. And I never thought that I would ever get to that point in my high school career. I thought it'd be my last game in college um after my four years of playing
0: and we're describing sounds so much like a twilight zone episode and Mm -hmm. the that level of confusion of not knowing the people that are like the closest to you or around you all the time that's that's thing that like people just can't necessarily imagine this deep dive down the rabbit hole of sick person Mm -hmm. so how are you able to get a diagnosis as you're really young to get that diagnosis how are I you was. able to get that? Because I, I like when I was going through all of this stuff, it was years and years and years and decades ago, but it was very much a pat on the head. You are a teenager, you're obviously mentally unwell, young lady, and go get therapy, go to psych hospital, but there's obviously nothing physically wrong with you. How are yeah. you able to navigate a system like that? Or is it still like that? Because I'm sorry, this is like 20 years ago. I was. That age and doing and dealing with that is it still so um tied up in in that sort of assumption of mental illness or
1: it's not mental illness at all oh i'm sorry
0: let me rephrase i meant that there's an assumption that because i was a teenager and that sick without like a bone sticking out that i was mentally ill i did and so like there's all the doctors are like there's obviously something mentally wrong with you because you're hurting so badly i wonder if that's still something that doctors just go to as an assumption or if they actually are catching up and deciding that just because you're a teenager doesn't mean you're not in pain
1: Yeah, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. I've had doctors who just had no clue about Chiari, and that seems that anybody who's diagnosed with Chiari, they can agree that these doctors, um, unless they specialize, they have no clue about Chiari malformation. Um, I never had a doctor say to me, "Oh, this might be mental illness," because. I had a bunch of MRIs, a bunch of CAT scans, and it showed in those scans what I had, and I had the symptoms um, reflecting the diagnosis and the scans.
0: Oh, it's amazing, yeah. If you can get in for the scans, it makes all the world of difference.
1: hmm yeah.
0: So how did this go with your family and friends? How were they able to, were they able to support you to hold you up, keep you going through all of those?
1: Oh, yeah, they definitely were. I mean, I had a huge support group because when I first got diagnosed, I was still 17. I got diagnosed in September of 2015, and I actually turned 18 a week after the diagnosis. Um, So I was having the surgery December 2015. So that's a three-month difference from the diagnosis to the surgery. So everything was very fast for me. Um, after my diagnosis, I think I had another appointment and my doctor was like, get ready kid. You're having brain surgery. So Wow.
0: That's a great bedside manner.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, I, you know, I absolutely love him. We have a very good relationship. Um, he's been a fantastic doctor to me. Um, and he specializes in Chiari. So it wasn't like a guessing game and, and, oh, I don't know what you have. I can't help you. Uh, he, was able to do the surgery and the surgery seemed to be a success with the surgery part, but I'm still to this day, battling horrible symptoms, migraines, um, memory loss. I can't concentrate. The pain is just brutal. My back, my neck. So, but back to the friends and the family, I had a huge support group when I was going through this and, You know, I know they didn't understand what it was because I still didn't. Um, But they they were just by my side the whole time through doctor's appointments, checking in on me, even with the surgery. And you know, I to this day I still know that they had no clue, really, what was going on because I didn't.
0: That's that's a really fair point. Yeah. So, what is your limitations now? Are you able to drive? Are you able to?
1: Yeah, I can drive. I can do everything that I, that I think I can do. Um, I cannot play softball anymore. Um, so it's just, it, there are certain things that are limited. When I, I was a, like I said, an athlete and I was always in the gym right now, me going to the gym is really difficult because either I have a horrible migraine neck neck and back pain or um i just when i'm at the gym i can only do 15 minutes of let's say cardio and i can't lift anything more than 5 to 10 pounds so it's really hard to gain that muscle back that i lost
0: Oh, I hear you on that so much. I used to love weightlifting and mm-hmm. the last few times, um, not under advisement of any doctor, I decided yes. to try the gym and it was the most pitiful, like one row and a whole arm came out and I was like, okay, this is obviously, yeah. um, that body that did ballet and weightlifting and martial arts, that body's gone mm-hmm.
1: now. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I see myself like how I was when I was 15, 16, 17. I had a lot of muscle, and now its I don't know where it went. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it just – I really – I super feel for you because, like, that used to be my stress relief was going into mm-hmm. the gym. And I felt like Wonder Woman when I was able to do, like, major lifting. I felt yeah. so strong and powerful and – I don't know about how you're processing all of this, but there are days I feel so out of control with my body and yeah. so out of control with my life that I really miss that level of control and power of going into a gym and just doing weightlifting or I <laughs> anything agree. that I really yeah. like. And those endorphins, I miss those. There's very few feel good things I get to do anymore. And those mm-hmm. were nice little, little happy endorphins that I used to get.
1: Yeah. Well, and to add on to that, I mean, I use softball as my escape. Um, you know, when you put your uniform on or your practice uniform, everything else just disappears. I school, um, relationships, um, you know, anything that's going on at, at home. Cause my mom had breast cancer when I was 16. That's when she got diagnosed. So, and I say all the time, if I did not have softball, I don't know how I could have gotten through that because it was really difficult for me. Cause I was now at that age where I understood what was going on and what could possibly happen.
0: You're so good at explaining how, how your life was going. It's it, it, like when you're talking about like, you put on the uniform and then all of a sudden you get to be a different person or a person yeah. who these things aren't affecting at that moment. It's almost like this cue for your brain to go, okay, bento box, everything else. And we're just going to mm-hmm. play softball right now.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's we, yeah.
0: And then with your mom, that's sounds like you already had an idea of how to do caregiving and how your family or you were, we're clear on how to take care of someone who is sick.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I also say that I'm really grateful that this happened when I was 16 with my mom, because once she went into remission, that's, I blacked out a month later. So my oh health failed. <laughs> yeah. So it's been uh, nonstop for us. Um, and now my uncle just got diagnosed with stage three to four colon cancer, but I think he is now cancer free. So it's your been, family
0: needs a break. That's we,
1: we do. <laughs> That's we <deal>. unfair.
0: <laughs> so for um, I'm sorry, I'm losing track of my, my words and my my days today. Um this one? oh it's not fine. It's incredibly frustrating.
1: <laughs> it is, uh, believe me, I know like what you're talking about with that. I mean, I have days where I don't even know what day it is, <laughs> and I don't know what I have planned for that day. And I'm still in school. So school is really, um, affected by my health, you know, remembering, you know, I had a teacher say to me, Oh, we have a project due on Monday. I didn't even know we had a project. Oh God. Because I forgot that she said it. I mean, if I don't write something down, I will not remember it.
0: I could not survive without my, my little um, phone it's, mm-hmm. it, it is my brain. It's basically my downloaded, these are your appointments. Like I just missed two separate interviews with someone because I, it, my phone uh, wiped my entire calendar. So really? it's like, oh God, I'm, I, I, I'm going to have to do a lot of I'm sorry. this is going to be the yeah. mea culpa month. Um, it wasn't on my calendar. So I don't remember it. Are you in college right now? Or are you still finishing off your, your um, high school?
1: I'm in college. I graduated my my senior year was when all this happened. Um, so I had the surgery, like I said, December, and I graduated. I think in May. I I finished school. I got. Oh my god! I don't know
0: you, but I'm so proud of you. Like that is <laughs> insanity. Like you were dealing with your mom's cancer through one of your years, and then yeah. this whole new health issue and diagnosis, and you still managed to finish all your classes and graduate. I am super proud of you.
1: Thank you, and That's you know. Amazing. It- I go back to softball because I think that built me into the person I am today and molded me into the person I am today. When I have my mind set for something, no matter what happens, I get it done.
0: Yeah. There's the thing about like the athletes that are pit bulls. Like if that's yeah. on your radar of what you want, it's just sort of this like grab it and keep it in your mouth until it's there.
1: <laughs> like Exactly. That's basically what it is. I mean, our goal as a family, um, our schedules revolved around my softball schedule, I started playing when I was four and wow. I started, um, uh, travel ball at eight, age eight. So that's where we started the competing where every weekend we were never home because we're traveling, uh, every weekday I had two to three practices per week. So, um, it, it was just all the time softball. And I was finally achieving the goal that we had set as a family to me. To become a college athlete, I actually started touring schools a week before the um, blackout happened. So it kind of all happened at once in a way. And, you know, we were so happy seeing my parents so happy on one of the tours because they knew I was achieving this lifelong dream that we have worked so hard for. That was just an amazing experience. And I'm so happy that I was able to do that. week or two before all this happened
0: so how did you guys process this massive change then that you had been working towards something and it wasn't going to look like what you or your family were assuming it was gonna look like
1: well when my doctor diagnosed me um, the first question I asked him was will I ever be able to play softball again and he kind of you know made the face like I don't think so Mm. Um, so like I said, that everything happens so quickly. Um, we, I don't think we ever sat down and, and talked about how this is affecting all of us. I know it affected them because they uh, put a lot of money out there for me to play, travel. Travel is not cheap. And, you know, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for all of the memories we have playing and being at the tournaments together. And, but we never you know sat down and said hey how is this affecting you you know it was just trying to get me fixed and and better so that's I just I really don't know what they're thinking about that and I think they have an idea of what I'm thinking but they just I don't think anybody has an idea of how hard it is to lose something you love so much so quickly it happened in a blink of an eye
0: I just, I feel so viscerally because I remember that doctor's appointment sitting there with the doctor and saying, okay, I don't care about the rest of this, but will I dance? Like, will I still be able to do ballet? How long do I have to do ballet? And then that look on their face of, yeah, you're done now. Like, you you don't get to do this again, ever again. And it was just like the most heart-wrenching moment. And yeah, it's, it was so much of, it took me a lot longer than I think. It sounds like you were able to find new dreams fast and quickly and, Decide on college, and I was not that smart or clever to get through as fast. Yeah. So what are you studying now? What have you, what's your new goal that you have?
1: Well, I'm going for my degree. I will be getting my AA degree in May. Um, I'm doing business and entrepreneurship, and then I haven't decided if I'm just going to stay where I am or go to a different uh, school that's close. Um, so that is my goal for school just to get done because it's really difficult for me. Um, but I have the company that I'm running out of, um, Palm beach, Florida.
0: So I want to get to your company, but I'm really curious because I know that there's a lot of people who have chronic illness with uh, memory issues or brain fog. Um, how aside from writing things down, are you managing running a business and
1: going to school? Like you said, your phone is your your brain. It, <laughs> Thank God for mind- alarms. Oh yeah, um, I would say the phone. Um, my teachers are actually very supportive, all of them. That I have this semester more than I've had teachers that really just don't care. They're like, I don't care that you're you're dealing with this. That you have emergency doctor's appointment. You miss a test. You're getting a zero for that. So this semester, I have teachers that are absolutely incredible when it comes to the doctor's appointments and also my company meetings. Um, But for me, you know, keeping track of everything, it it goes down to writing everything down. I write my day out so I can view it and then I'll do check marks if I completed it. Uh, But also the phone for like reminders of like, let's say for this interview, I had reminders set. Uh, because I had a couple meetings this morning, so I wanted to make sure that this got done.
0: Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any favorite apps that work well for you for keeping your life together?
1: I just use the the calendar. that's yeah, is it I think it's just the calendar. because uh, you
0: got to grow up with all of this. Um, all of these crutches, like it, I, when I was 16, we just got the internet. Like there is that horrible dial up modem. We certainly did not have phones in our pockets. Like mm-hmm. all of this stuff that I used to keep my life together. Now I have all of my favorite apps and if, um, if you're listening, please head on over to InvisibleNotBroken.com, and you can go through our show notes. and I'm going to list like some of the apps that I use that I semi keep my life together. Yeah, <laughs> and send me any of your favorites too. Um, but I didn't have any of these digital crutches. Everything was just had to be written down and hope that I remembered where I put the piece of paper I wrote stuff on. Right. <laughs> Which is still the big joke in the household is trying to find where I put things.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, I lose my... I can't find my phone a lot of the time (laughs) just because I forget where I put it. My phone and my keys seem to be the biggest issue I have with losing things. I I just can never find them.
0: Seriously, my life hacks really revolve around my daughter my son my husband and my mother they are always the ones who can find my keys my phone my wallet everything that goes missing they know where it is it's
1: yeah i mean that's how my mom is thank god for her because she'll say hey your phone's over here you know i'll walk in where are my keys um, and cause if I don't put them, I've noticed if I don't put something in the same spot, yes, then that's how I will lose it. So like school, an example, my classes, when I first started the first week were really rough for me because I could not remember where the class was. Oh and, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then I actually, you know, I know this isn't good, but the other day I went a different Route to my class, and I'm like, where is my class? So I know that's bad, but that's how it is now. And no, I, I hear never you had so that. much on
0: that. That's something that I think that a lot of people don't think about with um, college or high school when you're chronically ill. Trying to remember where's your mm-hmm. locker, where's your class, where would you park your car. Where's like,
1: um, the car is a big one. Oh my gosh.
0: Yes. I like my favorite thing is I have this thing on my phone that will tell me where my car is. I don't drive anymore, but really? like, yeah, it's, it, it will actually like ping and tell you where your car was last. So you could just oh. put it into Google maps and find your car. It is like, that's
1: really convenient. Friends. Wow. Especially
0: when you're talking about like those parking lots for colleges, which are about the same size as the campus.
1: Yeah. And there's never a spot, and you have to park in the last one. So, you don't have a
0: disability placard. A what? Disability placard. You don't have one yet?
1: I actually do, yeah. Yay! Isn't that the best thing ever? (laughs) It is. And you know, I actually only use it at school because you're either rushing to your class or these kids just don't know how to park or drive. (laughs) So. Very (laughs) Yeah. So I only use it at school. I never use it anywhere else because I rather walk and, you know, if I'm having a really bad day, that might be different, but I'm, I rarely use it at shops and I rather give it to someone who is in a wheelchair or, or, you know.
0: Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Like I'll if I'm actually having one of my rare, Oh my gosh, I can walk. I can move days, which are mm-hmm. few and far between. I do not use the placard unless I all already have some clues that pots will be coming in and I might be fainting before the car or, right but again, I don't drive much. So it's, uh, it's kind of a non-issue at this point. It's really funny talking to you as you're so much younger. And I feel like because of all my illnesses, um, I've like gone back to being 16 because it's yeah. like, I can't drive most of the time. My mom has to drive me everywhere. It's like, yeah. wow, I'm in my 40s, and my mother is driving me to all of my appointments. This is know, yeah. not yeah. what I was expecting for 40.
1: <laughs> right. I know. It's, I mean, but you don't expect this at any age. I mean, I don't, I don't think we expected my mom to get cancer when she was so young. Yeah, I think she was like 40 something. And I mean, I know it happens at a younger age, but I never expected this at 17. I always, I honestly thought I'd have a career ending injury, not my health failed. That's what I thought.
0: That is that is the call of all athletes is like mm-hmm. this will end when I have an injury from this, like certainly not from like something else in the body meet me going Mm -hmm. into mutiny. Wow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, an example is I was 13 and I stepped on my brother's ankle. We were playing basketball. I don't know why, but we were playing basketball and I stepped on his ankle and my ankle snapped and completely rolled over. And I actually, that was a Thursday and I stayed home from school Friday. I had a tournament Saturday, Sunday. I like I said, I was like 13, 14. I played seven games that day.
0: You know, that's um if no one who's listen if anybody listening has not been in like athletics or something competitive, like this is what you do. Like it is. it's it's not surprising to me. Like I was in a tournament for martial arts and I completely snapped my knee out or my tibia Mm -hmm. went in front of my kneecap and I finished the entire tournament still like I was not going to Mm -hmm. leave that that ring
1: yeah that's you know it's what you do as an athlete I you know I've broken so many bones and and I've had uh line drives to my fingers and I've broken two fingers at the same time so yeah but you just keep playing you don't want to miss one game because you never know if that's your last game. And, you know, I took softball for granted, and I regret it, because I always thought nothing will happen to me. I'm a great athlete. I'm going to go to college and play ball. I never thought that this would happen, and I just – I took softball for granted, and it does – it really stinks.
0: But there is something wrong with – I mean, because I'm I'm far past this, so, like, I get a very good look backwards, and – I feel like there's something really wrong with how there's this idea of we need to bootstrap it. We need to, like, put our lives and health on the line because it makes us tougher and better. And, I mean, like, I certainly cause way more damage by continuing with my activities instead of, like, scaling it way back to something more manageable.
1: Right. Yeah. And, like, when I told you about my ankle, the doctor said, if you do not get this surgery, you will not be able to play again. So, you know, I was calling him up and saying, let's schedule the surgery because I need to play. It was at the peak of my um, my career. I was getting into high school. So if he says, you know, if you don't get the surgery, you can't play. I'm getting that surgery done.
0: It, it, it's not even a question like it's so funny like now that I'm like a past like I can do great things with my body when they mentioned surgery I have a lot more questions now than I did back then when they'd suggest surgery yeah. before I was like will this help me keep going and dancing okay then we just do it now it's like all exactly. right so <laughs> what are the chances this goes wrong what's the outcome like I have so many more questions now
1: exactly I know exactly what you're talking about that's you know with the, the ankle surgery is like just do it now with the brain surgery is like um What's gonna happen?
0: So for you, I wanted to step back just a minute. Cause like, I, I didn't have a sick parent until recently. Like did having your mom be sick help you with how to ask for help or how to, did she help you with like how to do being sick or how to move around?
1: Um, seeing her battle the disease, it made me stronger because I was always like I would take this away in a heartbeat. I wish I could. And you know, not being able to do something that's kind of what the hardest part was. And to answer your question before, my mom always said to me, uh if I could take this away, I would. I think she I overheard her talking to one of her friends and she said that the hardest part is not being able to help her and have her get this relief. Um So, and I remember she said to me before the surgery, if I could be on that uh, surgery bed, I would in a heartbeat, but she can't, nobody can. You're the one that has to deal with this and go through it. So having her go through cancer, I think at a young age and me being 16, it really opened my eyes to health comes first, family comes first, and she has been a huge support. Both my parents have, but my mom, you know, when a doctor says, I think you should go see so-and-so she's over there Googling, researching, she's doing what a mom does. And it's, it was just incredible how much my parents helped me through this because I still am so in awe that this happened. I'm still dealing with it at such a young age.
0: And you are very young. I mean, like it's, you are so impressive and I, I know anyone who's listening does it'd be hard to guess your age you're incredibly eloquent much better than I'm doing by the way mm-hmm. and um you're you have such a clear vision of what you need to and want to do and that's yeah. incredibly impressive while most people are still like I mean after I got sick it was like complete emotional mental disaster trying to pick up pieces and you're you've very good at picking up pieces.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, I'm 21, by the way.
0: Yes, which I am. I, I was not nearly as clear or focused at 21.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think the illnesses caused that and now the company is really, you know, opening my eye to I need to grow up. And when my mom had the cancer, that's kind of the turning point where I need to mature quicker than my uh, friends did, my teammates, because they were just living life playing softball. Now I was, but I had to really focus on my family.
0: Yeah, there's something about facing incredibly big odds, big illnesses young that changes your perspective on like, how much time you have to do things. Mm-hmm. Like when there's a teenager who doesn't have chronic illness and no one in the family is, is looking at anything very intense – there's sort of like this idea of I have all the time in the world. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, I was very sick and had to give up everything I was like working on at 16. And it was like, okay, so time is not necessarily all there. Like you really have to right. pack it in.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. And you know, you never excuse me, you never know what's going to happen, uh, the next day. So I always live my life to the fullest every single day. Uh, I always, a big thing is, Always tell the people you love that you love them. That's
0: so huge. That is like one of the biggest things. I it was saying that I read way before I had my kids. It was saying I just always made sure I tried to do like every single day is like, hug and I love you. Like, mm-hmm. that's so easy. You don't know yeah. Like what can happen, what that will that happen. Thing. Yeah. So in your, um, in your questionnaire, you had so much great stuff. So please head over to the show notes because I have all of this there and also um, Jordan's company, which we will be talking about, um, which you had put in a part about treatments and what helped and what wasted time. So mm-hmm. I am very curious for your migraines, which if you don't have migraines and you think that you understand migraines because you've had a headache, I would like you to kill that myth right now that yeah. migraines are not headaches. Yep. <laughs> please describe. <laughs> Because, like, uh, I've had them in the past, but only once or twice. And I can't imagine how you do this a few times a week and still manage to, to do school and business.
1: Well, I know this is probably going to sound bad, but this is how I manage it. I'm used to it by now. Yeah. I'm, three, <laughs> I'm three years in with this, and I'm used to it. When I hear people say, oh, I've, I'm having the worst day, I have a headache. I'm looking at them like, I'm on day three with a 10 out of 10 migraine.
0: It's like a little summer child. Let me explain.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it just, that drives me nuts when people say, oh, I have a, I have a migraine. Uh, I mean, I have a headache and it's like, I've been dealing with this for three years. It's not like this, it's, it kind of feels like one migraine that just has never gone away.
0: That's brutality. I, <laughs> yeah. it's, um, it's the part of chronic that I feel like people don't get if they don't have chronic, which is, it's, it's. this isn't something that stops. There might be, like, some breaks in the, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm still dealing with this. There might be, like, an hour, a day, a week, a month, but it's chronic. It will come back, and it's not exactly. something that just stops. There's no stop point.
1: Yeah. And I think one of my other biggest symptoms is the pressure in the back of my head. And my, we actually went back to my doctor who did the surgery and he's like, you have scar tissue now growing in the back where we did the surgery and we might need to do another surgery to, you know, maybe get some of the migraines away because nobody knows where these migraines are coming from. So with him saying, Oh, we might need to do another surgery. It's not an ankle or a knee surgery, it's brain surgery. So we were like, "No, we're pushing that off. We're gonna try everything else to see if that helps it."
0: And did you find something that helps it?
1: Nope. Yeah, I was really I'm-
0: curious, like, what treatment plans? Because uh, I know that there's, I have a few friends with with uh, Chiari, and the the amount of things they've tried is <laughs> it's yeah. dizzying and expensive. Like it is.
1: It is. I mean. I've tried chiropractors, Nuka chiropractors, and that's where they Okay, no, I them. have a
0: quick question about that. Like Go ahead. is that even recommended for someone to be like doing a cervical adjustment where it like looks like they're breaking your neck if you have
1: like, I, a brain I know what you're stem saying going on? um <laughs> the Nuka chiropractor, they don't crack anything. Oh, cool. A chiropractor <laughs> does. So I went to a chiropractor for maybe a week and then I saw what he was going to do. You cannot, someone with Kiara, you cannot grab their neck and crack it. Yeah. Um, so I'd tell him that, but we would just crack my back and it's a five minute visit. And I'm like, this is getting me nowhere because once I leave the back pain and the neck pain's back and a migraine just started. So um, we did a laser treatment in the back of my head where the scar is that didn't work. I'm doing massages now that just helps me for the, the hour the massages. Um, but nothing seems to be working right now and it's driving my family and I crazy. I like just,
0: the, the, I'm, I have budgets to worry about. So I'm just thinking the expense of it all. Like it's amazing. Like how many things that we're, we're in very different States with very different laws about oh, things, yeah. And, um, yeah. Where I'm at, it was was just shocking, like, how much I had to jump through hoops to prove I was a good chronic pain patient. Like, I had to spend thousands and thousands of dollars in acupuncture, chiropractics, um, any sort of crazy other thing on the fringe. Not that any of that's crazy. If it's helping you, cheers, mazel tov, blessed be. Like, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. whatever you do that's working for you, awesome. But none of it was really working for me. And I still had to spend thousands of dollars before the doctor's like, okay, fine, we'll give you your pain meds. Like, it was... Mm -hmm crazy.
1: (laughs) Right. And, you know, to add on to that, I did acupuncture and the guy decided to do everything at once. So I'm just terrified now of acupuncture. And I just tried a shot, um, AmmoVig. Have you heard of it?
0: I can tell you my name right now, but I'm not sure if I can actually come up with anything more extreme than that. Don't
1: worry. I understand. Um, It's a shot that goes into your leg or I think your stomach. And it's gonna block um, the nerve that causes a migraine. I did it for three months. Uh, it did not help at all. My my neuro, he was like my neurologist. He said to me, "It helps." I think he said ninety percent of the people using it, or ninety five, and I was one of those that it just did not work.
0: That sucks. That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I had and to the
1: have side effects were crazy. To that, so I was just like, I can either up the up the dose to see if it actually works, or just stop it because the uh, side effects were so bad.
0: The side effects need to come with their own massive wording label. <laughs> like those should not yeah. be put into small print. It's amazing. Yeah. Well,
1: he told me he's like, "There's no side effects." And oh, that's mean. Yeah. So
0: that is just mean. I I had that. I had a doctor who gave me a new pain medication because they're like in an insane, like tailspin level of like, we need to get rid of opioids. So we're going to try these like new, very untested drugs. And I was told it did not cause emotional disturbance issues. It totally did. It was very scary to experience it when you're told it's not something you need to watch out for.
1: Right. I know. And you know, he told me that and I come back after a month. I'm like, here's a list of side effects. And
0: (laughs) And what were some of the side effects you were dealing with?
1: Um, I actually had a hair loss, so I would comb my hair and it's not the normal amount that, you know, would go with the brush. It was like, I felt like it was half my head. Um, and the concentration got worse. I could not, if you asked me a question, I would completely forget it. And I couldn't even answer, um, I'm t- I see. I can't even yeah. remember the rest of them. <laughs> well,
0: we're doing great with that. That's yeah.
1: of here. I mean, we're yeah, going to and small the company. And also, my leg actually swelled up that we did the shot in. Oh, oh I remember. I couldn't, um, my left leg, I couldn't move it at times. And I'm like, this is not right.
0: So. Your company, which I I am loving, you have something about medical logs, which I went onto your company's website, and it seems to me that that was very inspiring to your company, mm-hmm. and I'm just thinking from like a perspective of a pain patient and also like caregiver, those logs where you're actually writing things down and what we're talking about where you're experiencing side effects, that could be life-saving if you're actually keeping track of when you took what, what all of the symptoms are, and you have this, like year-long log of information because god knows most of us who are like in chronic pain or chronic illness our ability to remember what happened last week what was the cause and effect it's almost zero like I have such a hard time with like when did that dislocate it's like well that was like five days ago and I've had 10 dislocations since so Mm -hmm. I don't remember a sharp stabby dull (laughs) like So tell right. me about like because this seems to be something that actually helped you when you're talking about like things that wasted time, things that didn't work. But you were saying that the thing that actually worked for you was keeping the medical logs.
1: Yeah, and you know it, it really can avoid um, medical mistakes. I mean, when I was going through the process for the past three years, um, I would track everything when I was creating the company and the logs, and it seemed to the doctors would actually pay more attention to me when I had my health laid out for the past two weeks of exactly how I've been feeling. If you just go into your appointment and say, Hey, I don't remember what's been going on. You just paid however much that copay and for that, uh, visit. So now it turned into, I have no clue how I've been feeling cause I can't remember. And the doctor just looks at you, okay, just continue the pills you're on or just see me back in two weeks.
0: Okay. So for those of you who have different medical coverage in other countries, when we say copay, what we mean is when we mm-hmm. see a doctor, we have to pay a certain amount. So like if you don't have insurance, you have to pay the full visit plus well, all the medicine plus everything out of pocket. If you have insurance, you have to pay what's called a copay, which can either be if you have a deductible, which is what I have, is the whole amount of the visit until you reach like $3,000 for the year, yeah. or you have like a $20 or two a percentage of that, which $20, some people are like, hey, that's no big deal. It depends on your income level. But even at a high income level, when you talk about $20 per visit and you are seeing like four up. doctors a week, yeah. it adds up a right. lot fast, very quickly.
1: Oh yeah, it definitely does. And I mean, That's another thing with the book. It just really, you know, when you have a 10 out of 10 migraine, you just write it down. It takes two seconds to write it down. So at the end of the day, you're able to look back and say, wait a minute. If you didn't write it down, let's say, wait a minute. How have I been feeling? I know the, you know, the past hour has been a little better or let's say a 10 out of 10. You can write it down right then and there. You don't have to go searching for anything. You don't have to search through your phone and go on notes or whatever you do, it's right there and it's laid out how you need to um, write your symptoms down.
0: That sounds really super helpful and if you're like a super digital person, it sounds like you could even like create a PDF of it to keep on your phone so that if you're at a doctor's office and you can't bring something with you, you could transfer it over also digitally.
1: Yeah, we have the app and the digital um coming soon to enhance the book. But oh, I, excellent. I yeah. So, um I've noticed actually the past couple of doctors I've been to, they say shut your phone off, turn it on silent and please turn it off and just kind of put it away. So, the reason we have the log is let's say you're at a neurosurgeon and you only have a certain amount of time with them. Let's say 30 minutes. So with the phone, you got to sit there and, and go through it and, and you're wasting time. With the log, you just flip back two pages and there's your whole two and a half weeks or three weeks.
0: That's what I love about the idea of the log is that it's very easy to find the day and the week. That's why it's a big question I always get from doctors. It's like, after you tried this, what exactly happened after that? It's like, I, no clue.
1: <laughs> exactly, if I did not have this log during my AmmoVig journey, I would be going crazy because I would see my doctor after every full month after the shot. And he got to a point where when I first started seeing him, he gave me a piece of paper and he's like, track your migraines. The next appointment I had my log with me. He, his jaw dropped. And now when we do things like the ammo vig, he just looks at me and he says, you know what to do because I have the log.
0: I I don't think that this can be stressed enough because to get doctors to take you seriously is an incredibly difficult thing a lot of the time, at least in my personal experience and the experience of a lot of people I've talked to. It's really hard to get them to, like when you're saying my pain is 10 out of 10, a lot of times you get this "Uh uh-huh look or this sure, Mm -hmm. that's that, Mm -hmm. yeah, 10 out of 10, especially when you're at a pain clinic. So like having a log and then because my symptoms are so visual, it's easy to see the dislocated bone um it's i keep a log of photos with it as well and like yeah. my mast cell activation the only way i got that diagnosis was i took pictures of like every rash that was happening like we're yeah it, it was very if they could have happened on halloween that would have been great yeah. i would have made the best like costume just walking out with like all the <laughs> the weird rashes but keeping these things documented as if you're going into an emergency room a pain clinic a new doctor mm-hmm. having a a list or photos that's that is a really fast track way to getting taken seriously.
1: Right. And you know, I, I created the book, so they're less than a pound. So it's not like you're lugging something around.
0: Uh, oh, I adore you for doing it that way. I, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at that guy. I hope that's something that I could carry.
1: <laughs> it is. It's, you know, you're not lugging a huge binder um, and it's everything is in one place. So you could use a binder. You can add the book to it. But like I said, less than a pound and it's small. So, but back to what you just said with the doctors, don't take you serious. My neurosurgeon was the only one who did my neurologist. And I probably saw in a year, five neurosurgeons and four neurologists. And all of them would look at me when I say what I have, and they'd look at me and they just don't see me. You know, they don't see a broken bone. It's on the inside. So with you using the book, You can really pinpoint your symptoms and your pain. You could show it to the doctor and they're like, wow, you know, she or he is really keeping track of what's been going on. I need to start paying attention now.
0: That's a really good point is, um, the optics, I can't think of a better word for it right now, but the optics of being a chronic, a good chronic illness, a good chronic pain patient is actually mm-hmm. huge. Like it shouldn't rest on our shoulders to, to be taken seriously, but it does. And it actually helps to show that you are taking, um, as much care care and focus as you, as you actually, as you can. Like I'm screwing up my words and I don't mean to be offensive. If someone's like, look, I just can't keep track of it. I hear you because I Mm -hmm. can't either. Um, but it does actually create an ability to, to get that information across and to get the doctors to suddenly go, Oh,
1: (laughs) all right. She's not kidding. He's not kidding. Yeah. Yeah. And also it will enhance your treatment plan. I mean, if you go to, like I said, I had five neuros I go to my one, I'd write down in the appointment notes section, my questions and what happened during that visit. So if I go to neurosurgeon number two, I can bring him that list of what the doctor said and how I've been feeling and they can compare. So it's not a waste of money because like I said, we wasted so much money, so much time and it's my health that's being affected and wasting time does not help when you're in so much pain all the time so this book can be transported to the other doctors it's not you just have to leave it at that one doctor's it's yours
0: yeah i just want to make it really clear uh, for everyone listening that i'm not sponsored by this company i just um i think it's a really great idea i'm not getting paid to have jordan here on this is i think it's a really neat Neat thing to have. Um, I also see it as being a really good thing for caregivers
1: mm-hmm. because yeah.
0: it's hard for like it's hard enough to keep track of it with your own body, but with someone else's body, and you're the one who's going to have to be really clear in the doctor's visits. Mm-hmm. Like that could really save you a lot of time, energy, and stress if you have everything written down that you can just easily flip to. And I, I mean that would just be game changing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the, and the caregiver, if you go to the appointments with, they can have the book and, you know, see it just with the doctor too. And they can explain, hey, this is what's going on with them. I mean, my mom would say to me, you're using your book, make sure you bring it to Dr. So-and-so because we need to really show them what's been going on. Yeah, that's so, like
0: the big thing. My my father has uh, CIDP. And so it's always like this big thing of my mom trying to be like, okay, so What was that symptom? When did it happen? How long did it happen? Like, I'm not in your body for crying out loud. You need to tell me what's
1: exactly. You need to write it down. And it's very therapeutic to writing. I mean, that you know, people say that all the time. They just like writing their story. So in the back of the book, I have a section write your I think it's story or journey because I am writing my story, telling you my story. I want someone who has this book to write down their story. And this book is what's going on with them for the whole year. It's not three months or two months. You have this book for a whole year.
0: And there's a certain level of being able to look back at things and go, I survived that. I'm a badass. Exactly. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And this is Limitless Medical Logs. Yes. And if you go to our show notes, there will be at the very top a link to these um, so you you can take a look at this for yourself. So – is there anything else we did not cover We're actually getting close to an hour? And I'm very proud of both of us <laughs> with my yeah. brain fog in particular. I am, I, I we actually did an hour.
1: <laughs> I know. And we both made it through too. We I did. mean, today Good job. Today for me is actually the, I have a lot of pressure. I don't have a migraine today, um, but I wake up with pressure in the back of my head every single day. So there has never been one day where I have not had a migraine, the pressure, back pain. So I mean, this today, I will deal with the pressure if I don't have a migraine. So to me, it was a good day.
0: Yay. I am so glad you were having a good day. Thank you. Enjoy. (laughs) So glad you found spoons. Well, thank you so much for letting me interview you. Please go to show notes. I'm going to have everything we talked about there, plus a list of apps that I find helpful. Jordan, if you Can think of any, just send them on over. And also, um, if you're interested in getting the Limitless Medical Logs, I'm gonna keep a link right at the very top. Again, we are not sponsored by Limitless Medical Blogs. I just think it's really cool. If you would like to be very nice to the podcast, the best thing still to do is to go over to Apple Podcasts, leave stars, say nice things or not nice things. I do read all of them. Please try not to tread on my last two feelings. If you write something, um, be nice to me and uh, keep sharing. Like we have this crazy, amazing, wonderful uh, international audience. And that is all thanks to you guys sharing because God knows I do not have the energy to market. So, Thank you so much for doing that and have a great week. Be kind, be gentle, and be a badass.